Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter.com at Braden Gall or on Blue Sky at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Blue Sky or Instagram at Scavendish. If you like this show, the one you're listening to right now, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, do all those things. But mostly, just tell somebody that you know, you listen to Lamestream Sports, and they should too. Today on the show, Jeremy K. Gover. The K stands for knowledge, of course. Uh, he has been sort of in and around the Nashville Predators hockey coverage media ecosphere for a long, long time. Very, very much self-made. And I love his story. I've always enjoyed being around him. His personality is sort of contagious. His his um, his joy of the game and love of the game and appreciation for where he's at in life is very much contagious. Uh, I've never seen him or heard of him ever having a bad day uh, and really excited to have him on the show and talk uh, Predators hockey, how it's evolved, how the coverage has evolved, and uh, maybe the fact that both former coaches are in town this weekend. Uh, it was a good time to talk. And the Preds, by the way, playing the best hockey of the season under new coach Andrew Burnett, six straight wins at time of taping. That may not be the cha- cha- the case when you hear this because it comes out on Friday, uh, but uh, really excited to have Gover on the show. If you know him, if you've met him, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. One of the nice guys in the business. Uh, this is a fun discussion. You'll like it. What are the odds that uh, what are the odds that either Heinz or Laviolette gets a little salty this weekend? I am more curious with the reaction of the fans. And again, we are taping this before Thursday's game when John Heinz coaches. So the predictions are already out of date when you hear this. Uh, I think the fans are going to be like apathetic and indifferent and sort of do like a eh, I, I, yeah. I don't. I don't to, think to anybody, John Hines. I don't think anybody cares about either one of these guys. Well, I think there's sort of like a eh, to John Hines, mm-hmm. but I I'm fascinated with what with what the reaction will be to Lavi because he carried them to a Stanley Cup final, but also is a very salty and difficult individual to deal with. Yeah. So, so I just I'm I'm more interested in how the fans re- react to both of these. I just find it incredibly ironic that the last two head coaches for the Nashville Predators will be coaching in Bridgestone Arena on back to back games while Andrew Burnett's team is playing the best hockey of the season. <laughs> so I find that all super fun uh, and and interesting. Okay, great conversation with Gover. A couple of quick questions about the SEC championship game. Who are the impartials rooting for? And what will ratings be for Bama and Georgia? I don't know what part it is, like part four, part five. I don't know what we're at yet. Uh, and then there's a huge lawsuit around social media that I thought I want to get your thoughts on real quickly. And I've got a recommendation that I need help with. Like I need, I need help from you and the audience on my recommendation. So we'll do that all coming up after the conversation with Jeremy K. Gover. Uh, before we do, Lamestream Sports brought to you by Jasper's. Always brought to you by the fine quarter zips at Jasper's. Wonderful and amazing quarter zips. Always ironed, just the right amount of starch in those quarter zips. So go check out uh, Jasper's, of course, free parking. Great place to watch Predators games. And right now, great time to go watch the team playing very well. Uh, great drink specials Thursday nights. Of course you have uh, bingo every other Thursday night. I think it's the second and fourth Thursday night of the, of the month. You can go in and you can play bingo drink specials, watch Preds games. It's great. It's a great place to go. Uh, it's a great hang. The game room is awesome as well as well. You guys know all the, the drill there. It's the next evolution of the sports bar. Go to Jasper's. Here was our conversation with Jeremy K. Gover. Jeremy K. Gover, welcome to the show. The K stands for knowledge. If you don't know, now you do. Jeremy, how are you, sir? I am great, Braden. How are you, sir? I'm I'm great. Uh, I would love to introduce you properly, however. And so because you've had like a gazillion jobs and I'm not really (laughs) sure, you know, like what's your favorite one and what you love to call yourself. Why don't you explain to everybody 
how you would define your career in Nashville covering sports or in media covering covering other things as well. How would you describe your career? In my 15 years in the Nashville media landscape, I've been living my childhood dream. That's how I would describe it. Your childhood is, is dream. Is you, do you put that on a business card? Like, is that your official title at all yeah. your jobs? Uh, no, my official title is uh, probably wow. Uh, uh, part time, part time media, sports media and broadcasting is probably how I'd say it. But if I'm asked directly, the the answer really is I'm living my childhood dream when I shouldn't be. So that's that's the answer. So how did you get? How did you get started? Let's let's go back to like the the very beginning here. What, well, the very what? beginning, Steve, is uh, I was a young author in third grade, and I decided I did a biography <laughs> on Mark McGuire, and uh, that was my entrance into writing. And so uh, my third grade teacher, who I will, I mean, I'm sure she's long gone now, I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure, uh, Miss Von Buchout, she, I'm on the last day of class, so we're all saying our goodbyes, and we'll see you next year, all this stuff. She called me aside as we were leaving the classroom and she gave me a, a blank composition book and said, keep writing. And now I'm here. Uh, I've been writing and doing broadcasting and radio and podcasts. You've just been filling out blank composition books. Filling out blank composition papers since, since third grade. Yeah. So um, yeah, this is never, this is something I always wanted to do from that Mark McGuire thing of researching and, you know, all this, like, you know, as a third grader would do. I mean, obviously it's not like deep dive, you know, cutthroat journalism but uh to be able to say oh this is kind of cool i like doing this i like doing the homework on this i like finding different things this is pre-internet by the way for those who don't know i'm 46 so <laughs> third grade was pre-internet uh it's just that you know researching i, I just loved everything about sports and next thing you know i was in junior high and we had because in junior high and it's middle school here in tennessee but junior high in california and in junior high uh, i was on the, the school paper i loved every aspect of that and then in high school, I was on the school paper and yearbook teams, and I got to actually do things with sports. I actually got to go to football games and baseball games and report on them and things like that. Uh, and then when I got to college, I went to a junior college first, and I dropped out. And after the, it was my first semester, uh, I I couldn't stand the there were I wanted to do so many more things than go to class, and so I ended up being undisciplined <laughs> and dropped out. I went back the next semester, dropped out again. Fast forward to a second junior college. I dropped out five times, finally got my AA like seven years later. So I like to say, I don't like to say it, but I, I, I in a way I'm proud to say I never went to college. Like, yes, I got my AA. I went to junior college. I have, I have credits under my belt, but I never went to like a university. I never majored in anything. I never did. I, that's why I say I don't, I don't, I don't belong here. And that's why every day covering sports is a blessing. Anytime I get to go sit in an empty hockey arena three hours before game time, or I get to go into a locker room and interview Freddie Goudreau or whatever, like these are things that like, I'm sure like real journalists, like that, you know, they, they like, okay, I, you know, I'm here talking to this fourth line player and this is okay. You know, who cares? I take it for granted for me. I shouldn't be here, but I get to live this childhood dream every day for 15 years now. And I'm just blessed. That's just I, that's I, how I see it. So, so many things here. First of all, I think that's the right attitude everybody should keep at all times when they're in this business. It keeps you fresh. It keeps you happy. It keeps you motivated. However, you're wrong. 
you do belong. You do. You do belong there. And Thank the only you. difference between you and I and Steve is like a piece of paper on the wall over my shoulder. Like that's it. Like there's no difference. Uh, I think one of the lessons we've learned on this show is it's it's about the work you do and the effort you put in and and how much you care about it, not what class you did or didn't pass. There's there's a certain college football reporter that's been on recently that is famous for dropping out of college. Uh, that's been on this show. Can you give everybody like your job titles like all over those 15 years? Because I like how, how many have there been? Do you, can you do it all in like one like one? Can you rattle them all off at once? I no think looking so. At LinkedIn so either. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Uh, in 2007, after the Save the Team rally for the Predators, I brought a sign that said, take your damn hands off my team. And I was a season ticket holder at the time. And the uh, governor of Tennessee at the time, Phil Bredesen, brought it up on stage made it a thing. And the next thing I know, I'm approached by Mark Hollingsworth who ran section 303.com. And he said, look, my, you know, my dad's having some health issues. I can't take care of the site anymore. Do you mind taking it over? And I was like, no, I don't mind, but it's going to end up being like a news site, not a humor site. I'm not, I'm not, I can be funny, but it's, it's a reach sometimes. So he's like, no, that's fine. I just, I wanted to continue to live on. So me and Cody Holland, my good friend, we took it over, started the 30330 podcast. So at that point, you'd call me a blogger. In 2010, I got an invite finally to, uh, I say finally as in I wasn't expecting it, finally as in like after three years of work, uh, I was I was invited to be a full credentialed member of the National Predators and the uh, National Media. I took that for second303.com, so I was a blogger there still. In 2014, I decided to hang it up because I was like, I'm not I'm not getting a full-time job with this. And it's like, you know, it's, when you're a blogger, guys, as you know, it's all free. Right, you're you're paying to go oh, cover an all star game. You're cu- you're paying to go park. You're paying to like all these things are out of your own pocket. You're not getting anything for it other than readership and support. <clears throat> and so, in 2014, I decided, okay, that's it. Well, a month after I decided that, uh, Jeremy Benefield at one two five the game came up and said, hey, do you want to be my post game guy? I was like, I'm, I'm getting out. You know, I, and he goes, no, 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 I'll, I'll pay you fifty bucks a game. Done. So now I get now I'm getting paid <laughs> to be there. Okay, so again, it's not much, but it's something, right? So then I'm a, I'm hey, a 80. Uh, this is where you're like 82. I'd like 162 game season. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, bring on baseball. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so I, was, so I was a locker room reporter at that point. And then around 2014, 2015, Teresa Walker, the great Teresa Walker, threw out my name for AP radio and said, hey, th- you know, this guy goes to every game. He knows the sport. You know, use him if you need him to. And they did. And now I've covered a Super Bowl and a Final Four and uh, in, in several NCAA tournaments, SEC tournaments. Uh, college football, hockey, of course. And so I'm a stringer for AP radio. And then uh, that's about it. I think I, I'm sure there's more in there, but those are the major ones. And and along the way, I mean, you keep, you keep saying I'm part-time, I'm freelance or whatever else. Like, what are you doing to pay the bills here? Like, what is the, what, what's keeping the lights on? My day job is I am a, <laughs> you'll love this because it's so random. I am a, I'm the manager of marketing and PR for a chimpanzee sanctuary. I know. I wanted to get in, into uh, this. In uh, North Georgia. It's called Project Chimps. I encourage everyone to go follow them just because one, I can, but also because it really is amazing the work that they do, the caregivers and uh, these, these chimps have been uh, in in lab research environments, uh, you know, before the United States outlawed that in 2015, but there's still chimps at the labs because they it's not enough room for them to go anywhere. So the sanctuaries, like Project Chimps, we have 95 of them. Uh, they're you know they're we're trying to give them the best life they can and uh, give them the freedom of choice, go out to the habitat, you know, on their selected days, all these things. So it's just a wonderful place. The people care so much, and to be able to have my love for animals join my love for sports. 
you have to force it sometimes, right? But it, it can work. And so uh, I love every minute of my job. And don't forget Twitter, your love of Twitter, which we'll get into as as well. Um, Twitter.com. You you mentioned a lot of different sports in there. And I know for I know having having known you that the Super Bowl opportunity was sort of like a, a big check, not necessarily even because of the game, but because of the, the music and the halftime show it was out in Los Angeles. So you're for those that don't know, you're a huge hip hop fan. Yeah. Um, but like you've you've been to all these other sporting events, but it's always been hockey, right? Like when you grew up as a kid. And it's funny you mentioned McGuire Mc- because it sounds like you were a baseball fan. Like I learned how to do also before the internet, I learned how to do math like on the back of a baseball card. Like that's how. Yeah. You know, I was teaching my daughter the other day about division, and I was like, if you gain twenty yards on four <laughs> plays, <laughs> how many yards did you gain for play? And she got it. Like she figured it out. And there's something about sports that that does that to a kid. How was it always hockey? Was hockey always your first love as a kid? So baseball was actually my first love per the Mark McGuire thing that you mentioned. Uh, but in 1989, my dad took me to a preseason neutral side hockey game between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Minnesota North Stars at the lovely, gorgeous Oakland Coliseum Arena. And uh, the only reason we went is because I'd been to a 49ers game. I'd been to a Golden State Warriors game and I'd been to several baseball games. So I was like, hey, this is the big four. We don't have hockey here. Let's go cross this off the list. Like I was 60 and I was trying to like, uh, you know, before I died, but for some, I was like, no, no, it's the last one. We got to go to the, and uh, it, it changed my life that night. I, I could not believe there was a sport that had that much action and pace and intensity in preseason. And I was just, I was taken aback by it and I never looked back. Hockey was number one from that day on. What, what was it? I mean, I, I get, I get that you know the speed and the and the and the movement and and whatever else, but it just seems it just seems so random that like you didn't have the team right there in front of you though, and that's right. and that's odd for that's odd for a kid to get uh, to get hooked on. I, I have a I have a friend uh, who grew up in Lexington, Kentucky, and got hooked on the L.A. Kings uh, for 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 kind of a similar uh, for kind of a similar reason, and 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 he says he says that exact same thing. He says you know. It was it was the speed. It was the it, it was the movement. What what did what did you become a fan of then? Did you you were like oh I'm going to latch on to X team or was it one of those two teams or was it when where did your fandom go? Was it Alexander McGillney? <laughs> Eventually, it was Alexander <laughs> McGillney, who my 11 year old is named after. In case anybody was wondering, uh, I, that's where that, Brayden's going with that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. For I think for me that you you got to keep in context, right? I was a baseball guy. Okay, so. My dad would watch football and I've been, and I, you know, I, I'll watch playoff games with him and stuff at that time, but it wasn't like, I didn't understand why they didn't pass in every play. Cause that was the most exciting, right? Who wants to run the ball? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so like strategy wasn't, you know, so baseball and then basketball is, you know, it's up and down the court and it can be exciting, you know, fast pace, but fast break action. But you know, overall it's like, okay, methodical, right? Offense and then defense. Well, baseball is only one team can score at a time. So it's the top of the inning and they can score at the bottom of the inning. They can score. And so it's kind of slow. There's 30 seconds between pitches, all of a sudden. And I loved all of that. There's still, by the way, nothing like a day at the ballpark. It's still, it's that's great. Way more relaxing uh, than Bridgestone Arena. For sure, yeah. Relaxing is the right word. Yeah. But the but when you go watch a hockey game, when you're, you know, again, whatever I was, let's see, I needed to do the math, 12 years old, it was, you saw a team could score at any moment. The, the you could blink like 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 where are my nachos and there was a goal like you like you just could not take your eyes off the playing surface and then on top of that there was the novelty of course 
being from California, not having any ice rink within an hour radius of like, these guys are on, they're on knives. Basically <laughs> they uh, know how to do that extremely well. And Oh, by the way, they can handle a puck and pass it. And you know, like, there's just so many. Then there's this weird looking guy in goal where he's got a mask on. It looks kind of cool. And they shoot pucks at him at hundred miles. An hour. What? Like what is happening? And then the pace is so high. So if the novelty is first, but then t- then you realize there's more than just the fighting and the stereotype, right? Then you realize then you see the skill involved, and then you go, "Oh, I can never do that." And then a year later, you're on roller skates trying to do it in your side yard, you know. But so it's just, I guess, to answer your question, is the context is important. I was a fan of slower sports because that's all I knew. And then you go to this sport and you're like, holy crap, how fast. They-? And that was then, by the way, now it's like lightning fast. But at the time, you know, in the 80s, it was like, or in the late 80s, early 90s. So I think that's, it was the contrast of, oh, this can be done at a high speed. And then it was like, I go to a baseball game and it's still fun. It's awesome. You know, but it was like, oh, this is so slow compared to what I just experienced. And then you yeah. crave more of that. Can you walk through, because you've worked in different mediums, right? You've, you've written uh, about the Preds, you've talked about the Preds, you've been post-game, you've worked for the radio network, you've done yeah. radio shows about the Preds, you now host a podcast about the Preds. Of course, it's all your fault with the Nashville scene in the post. Um, so you have all these, and, and of course, AP Radio, which is a little different style of, of execution as well. H- how do you think that has changed from, let's say, 2000 and let's say 2010? I, I don't know, pick, pick, a, pick, a, pick a year. Uh, in the beginning of sort of when you started doing this, how has writing about this team changed in the market? How has talking about this team changed in the market? Um, covering the games, how has it changed? Like, give us kind of all the different mediums and how they are different in 2023. Uh, and I don't mean about the team and the success necessarily, but just how has the coverage changed? How has the fans' reaction to that coverage evolved over time? That's a tough question. I think the answer is you're not insulting. Well, you're, for the most part, not insulting anyone's intelligence anymore. Okay, so what you had at the beginning, again, I'm and I'm calling the beginning 2010. That's the year you you threw out, and the year I started officially, like with a credential around my neck, which I still have, by the way. Um, you were trying to educate people about the game while also not insulting the intelligence of the diehards that have been there from day one or whatever it is, and so and you did that in write in the writing in the writing form, and you did it on broadcast as well, right? Whether it's a podcast or on the radio or whatever, you were trying to educate to a degree this newer hockey market that probably again it's a blanket statement, so you're not going to catch everybody, but this newer hockey market who is learning the game, learning the the names of the players, you know, all these things. Whereas now with the Stanley, with the all-star weekend in Nashville, the Stanley cup final run, the multiple Western conference championships or, you know, banners, I'll put it that way. Multiple banners hanging in the rafters, like all these things. Now you're not, you are educating the audience to a degree, but it's, you don't have to spend as much time figuring out how you're going to do that. Now it's like, Hey, uh, Predators won six to five on a seven game win streak and Philip Forsberg's on fire as opposed to breaking it down a little bit more detailed than that. So, you know, the, the fans know what that means. And again, there was a section that did, but there was, you had to kind of, it's like the glowing puck, right? I hate the glowing puck that Fox used to have. It was horrible. Okay. But I understand for my parents, for example, who had never watched hockey before, other than again, my dad taking me to the game in 1989, like other than that, like, they might need that because you can't see the puck. Alone. You don't know what, what to look at action wise. So it was, that was a horrible, but it was their way of trying to 
meet the middle saying look this is kind of cool for the diehard fans even though it wasn't and then but it's also educational for the fans <laughs> that are discovering the game for the first time so i would say that i would say the the evolution of the knowledge of the fan base i i find that that balance to be extremely tricky we've been doing it with soccer in this market for a few years although i think soccer Great example i think soccer far more ingrained sort of naturally in our brains about how it works and how it functions more than hockey yes. was I, I i also grew up on hockey in the 80s and 90s like i grew up a rangers fan rooting for those Messier Graves, Richter Leach teams, great um, teams, and, and playing ninety four NHL NHL ninety four on my Sega was a big part of it. So when I moved to Nashville, they got a team. Alexi Kovalev still unstoppable in, yes. in Sega ninety four, <laughs> and and it's and there's only one play. You just go as fast as you can up the side, you center it, and you score, and it's not that hard. Um, but like you, if you know, you know. I, I think what's interesting is. Like I was one of those kids who was so excited when the Predators got here because I was like a teenager, but I already knew hockey. I saw the glowing puck and was like, this is fucking stupid. Like, what are we doing? Um, But I but it is a balance. Like, you've got to strike this balance of opening your arms and putting your arms around new fans to bring them into the game. And I think the Predators knew this full well right away with the whole, you know, (laughs) teaching people about offsides with Crispy and 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 Pete (laughs) Weber. Um, but it, we're, we're in a, like now you've got, uh, now you have Corsi scores making it into the broadcast. Like we're in a totally different place right now. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'll also say there's, uh, the evolution of the players too, right? There's a, there's a, because this team started off in humble beginnings, I think you had a, you had a, a large faction of our audience. I would say this is probably different. I never lived in New York, but I would say it's probably different in New York. In New York, you don't want to hear from the fourth line winger who plays 30 games a year, right? But in Nashville, people do. Yeah, of course you want to hear from Forsberg and, you know, of course. But you do want to hear from Colton Sissons. You do want to hear from Yakov Trenin. You do. You, you're invested in these guys. And I don't know if that's just because they're Predators draft picks and, and, and products where they've come through the system. And I don't know if that's it or not. I haven't put my finger on that. But I do know that. I would always walk into the locker room with an art. It's an art form. Okay. Braden, you know this for sure. Right. And Steve, you obviously do too, but I'm saying like Braden and I've been in radio together. So I know that for sure. He knows it. When you go into, when you're working on the uh, national predators radio network and you're going to do a pregame interview, for example. Okay. Sometimes you get Matt Irwin. It's just, that's just how it is. Okay. But, but I tried to do that to where, cause PK Subban, for example, was so just in demand. Everybody wanted to talk to PK Subban. So I tried to make it a very special thing. So I, I, I do my, I would do the dirty work. I would go to Matt Irwin. I go to Yannick Weber. I go to these guys that aren't, were in, that weren't in demand. So when I asked for PK Subban, I would get PK Subban and how, and it would be this kind of, he wouldn't mind talking to me. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So it's an art form. You can't just have Philip Forsberg every show. So my point of saying that is the, I never, I always thought, Oh God, I got Matt Irwin today. Now he was a great quote. Don't get me wrong. But it was like, okay, nobody wants to hear from Matt Irwin. But I would ser- I would still get comments like, hey, that was a great interview with Matt Irwin. I can't believe Matt Irwin said that. That he's was a, awesome. He's a great and, talker, by the way. No, right. But I, but my point <laughs> is, is that people didn't mind hearing from right. the players right. like that. And I thought that was that's that's a strength of this hockey market in particular. Because again, I don't think you can do that in the bigger markets. It, is that a function of Nashville as sort of a, a storytelling town in general, whether that's m- music, books, literature? I think we we also have so again we we don't take hockey as seriously as we take SEC football for example although in 2017 we certainly did uh, I mean I wonder if that's sort of like Nashville just being a little bit more chill in general the media 
throngs at both Titans coverage and Preds coverage, I think is a little bit more chill. Nobody's trying to like scream at the coaches and stuff. Uh, unless Peter Laviolette's here, who, by the way, ironically is in town this weekend. Um, yes. I, I, so I, I don't know what that is a function of. I, I think I, I also think it's maybe a function of the players. And I don't have a frame of reference to this. So maybe you do. The, the players that come here from elsewhere seem to want to stay here, not just as a player, but beyond. Yeah, I think that's the case. And we've seen Marty Erat settle here. JP Dumont settled here, right? A couple of, they, they've coached. They both coached in, in their in their post NHL careers. So there's a lot of examples of that. I, th- I think you're onto something there. I, I never thought of it like that, but it just, it struck me though, because, you know, as somebody who always wants to give their absolute best, we talked about the hustle earlier, right? Like that, like I, I, I want to interview the key player every game and I would get frustrated if I couldn't, but again, people would be fine with, you know, I mean, now again, you can't, have Matt, you can't, you can't do the opposite. You can't have Matt Irwin all 82 games either, but I think, but I never got any flack about, oh, you just got Matt Irwin. Oh, great job, Gover. Like, I, ne- I never got any of that. It was very supportive <laughs> of whoever I was talking to. And I tried to make the most of it. Do you, do you think the National Predators have made critical players available enough to all media to tell the story? Like like the way the NFL will do it at, after a game, if a player drops a pass at the end zone to cost the team a game, he will sit at his locker unattended by the PR staff and will tell the story of what happened. Whereas, I, I, do you think the Predators have done enough of that over the years, or do you think they're a little, little bit more guarded? Uh, that's a loaded question because because <laughs> I, I think they no, I uh, not at all. I think they are guarded, but I think that we've had enough examples of highly respected players dealing with it. In other, my, in other words, uh, in 2000, was it 16 when the uh, Blackhawks ousted? I think it was 16. Maybe it was 15. When the Blackhawks ousted the Preds in the first round, um, I was up in Chicago uh, covering that game, that last game, and I remember uh, Pecorine, he, he, he waited for us. So here's the last game of the season. We walk into the locker room. For those who don't know, what you do is you go downstairs, you walk into the locker room first, right? And then you get whatever players you can get. And then most of them are in the shower, you know, whatever it is, but that you, you can kind of get whoever you can get. Then after about 10, 15 minutes or so, you go into the coach's press conference. He talks for five to 10 minutes, and then you're done. You go back upstairs and do your work. That's how it usually goes. In this particular case, after again, season's over. Okay, disappointing loss, season's over. Uh, we go down the locker room. I think there's like one player there and it is like Colton Sissons or something. You know, it's like somebody kind of like, okay. And then you go to coach LaViolette. He talks during the press conference at coach LaViolette. We get a text message and I'm like, what? And so I look at it and it's the Preds PR and it says, make sure to come back to the locker room when you're done. And I was like, oh, okay. So we go back into the Preds locker room when it's over. This is highly irregular. And Pecorine is standing there alone and he's waiting for us. So the three or four of us, whatever it is, we walk up to him. We get about, I don't know, four to five minutes of questions in. He thanks us for our time, which is, again, highly <laughs> unlikely, you know, highly weird. And then super respectful. And then he, because he knows we have a job to do. And he and he walks off. And that's the end of the day. So here, this guy's season has just ended. He probably feels responsible for season ending because he's the goaltender. And he chose to wait for us when he didn't have to. He could easily been like, oh, they're gone. Oh, okay. Well, I'll get see back on the plane. I'll see him at locker room cleanout day. Instead. He was respectful enough, and again, just just so nice and 
understood that we had a job to do that he waited for us. And that, and I think that's a long winded way of answering your question of saying there's enough of those players that have been around that. Yes. While I do believe the team sometimes is guarded. I do. Th- there's enough of that that's happened that you, you don't think about it. That that was a spectacular story about how great Pecorine is. Yes. Not a great, not a story about how great the predators are. <laughs> just, I mean, run your organization. Wanna, how you're going to run them. I, I you just want to point it out. Th- this is a, this is a gaping hole actually, Braden of, of where, my background hurts me in a way. Okay. So yes, I'm thrilled that Renee waited and that's a story that will stay with me forever. But because I didn't go to college, like I said, and I didn't have the journalism training and I didn't go through the, the, you know, covering a college soccer team or what, like, you know, I don't know what the rhythms are. I don't know. So if, if a team is being guarded, I don't know that I'm gotcha. making that call based on the chatter I've heard around me for 15 years. So my direct answer is I think they've been guarded to a degree, but there's enough people that have kind of floated that. But I'm sure other people would tell you different. It's interesting. You mentioned getting your first credential with uh, with with 303 yeah. and, and and kind of doing it that way. And and there's always been this sort of kind of like little, I mean, not a big schism, but there's always been this kind of schism between sort of like the bloggers and yes, the, the, the regular, the, the quote unquote regular press. Uh, but you know, those sites, three or three, uh, on the four check, you know, a couple others penalty box uh, radio. Yeah. I mean, et cetera. have, have, have done, uh, have done, have kind of filled in the gaps where, you know, traditional media has has not been, and could, because we 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 didn't evolve as a hockey media market. It's not like like if you had if you had landed in Philly, or you'd landed in New York as opposed to to Nashville. I mean, th- this would have been a much harder trajectory for you because of like the amount of kind of entrenched media around there. Um, what do you think? What do you think the the? And I'm gonna, I'm going to use a terrible word here. Uh, um, what do you think like the blogosphere here? Like the like those folks added didn't add uh to the to the coverage uh and 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 you know give opportunities to you know quite frankly people like you non-traditional digital media yes in in a non-traditional market on top of that yep Uh, a lot of non-traditionals going on uh i love this question because it reminds me that uh i was only I'm only where I'm at right now. I'm only talking to you, basically, because in 2005, my best friend of 20 years moved and moved to Nashville. He could have in East Nashville. He could have picked Boise, Idaho, and that's where I would have gone. Not because it's him, <laughs> but because I was looking to get out of California. I didn't want to be there anymore. My ex-fiance and I were not together anymore. I was not in school, like I said. Right? I was just. I think I was. Uh, I was managing restaurants. I think or something. And I was just like, I don't, what am I, I don't have a future here. I can't afford a house. The traffic is hellacious. Foreshadow. And it's just, (laughs) I just, I can't, I can't do it. And so he had said, well, you know, thanks for bringing all that here, but we found out out whose fault it was. No, I did it before it was cool. (laughs) Uh, It's 2005, way before the transition. Anyway, so, uh, so he said, Hey, you know, Jerry, I just bought a house in uh, Nashville. If you want to rent a room until you find a job, I was like, done. So I finished out the summer. And I sold everything I owned except for what would fit in my Nissan Xterra. And I drove cross country in September. I was, a, and, and, and uh, so again, he could have been anywhere. The, the point of saying that Steve is that if he said, honestly, if he said uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I don't went there, I wouldn't be 
not talking to you because you're in Nashville. I wouldn't be talking to anybody like you, period. Because there was only three NHL teams at that time who allowed bloggers in the in the press box. It was the New Jersey Devils, for some odd reason, probably because they're in the shadow of the Rangers and Islanders. And then there was Nashville. And I think the other one was Columbus, if I'm not mistaken, although I may have that wrong. The point is there was three of them. And so I just happened to move to a market that was open to the idea of a blogger in the press box. And I just happened to move here because my best friend had just happened to move here. So it's, it was very orchestrated for me, if you will. And I, I, I do think that, you know, it was just me putting in the hard work on top of my talent of being able to write. And then, of course, learning as I go, right? What's professional? What is it? You know, how does a locker room work? How does it not work? Like all these things. The blogosphere now, I'm not going to say is any better or any worse by any means. I will say there's more because obviously you can. It's just more accessible now. But for me, it's learning quickly that you can't just throw hot takes out. You can't just do, uh, you can, you have to do your research. You have to work to a goal. You can't just passion write, I guess is what I'm saying. And I do see a lot of that now, unfortunately. I'm not going to name names, of course, but I wish nothing for the best for these people that if they want to do this for their career, by all means, I'll, I'll even coach them. I'll help them. But I see so much just couch coaching basically and just oh the preds did this thing and i'm gonna write five paragraphs on it and i'm gonna call myself a blogger and i had one guy you guys will love this i had one guy uh when the predators got to go to europe he contacted me and said uh like uh, not not contacted me he sought me out on twitter not a direct message but a reply and was like hey i'm covering the games in in europe if you, you know if you want to uh share my coverage and i was like oh that's awesome that's great how'd you get your credential and i got no answer so then the game was over, the first game was over, and he kind of put out a, a blog or whatever, and it was very vague. It was it was there was no research, there was no quotes, no anything professional about it. It was just like a reaction, almost like a vlog, right? Like you know these vacation bloggers, right? It's kind of like that. And so I reached out to him again. I was like, hey, I thought you, I think you were covering the game because I did. My post is up, and I had to then be in this awkward position to tell him you're not covering anything. You're covering your vacation. That's not the same as going into the locker room, talking to the players about their experience, right? All these things that I know now are professional. And so then I get flack from his sister or mom or somebody like, Hey, how could you talk down to my son? I'm not trying to get into that. I'm trying to help. So it is a very weird line for the blogosphere versus the mainstream media. I will wrap this up though, by saying real quick that there were, there was a tension there uh, early on 2010, especially and maybe even through 2012. There's a tension between me and some mainstream media members, not on purpose. I was nice to everybody. They were nice to me, but I could feel it. There was like this kind of understated, like you shouldn't be here, which again, as we talked about is true, but, but, uh, but I, I, I cut my teeth. I made, I, I put out the effort, tried to do what was right. And I think in the end, everyone respects me now. So I, I think that's ultimately a major point and lesson for all of this. Cause I, I, I think it is, in an in an unintentional way, it can sound demeaning, even just the phrases we're using in this conversation, because without yes. without this non-traditional digital space, which I would just call media now, um, again, there are varying degrees of professionalism within that space. But like the athletic no longer has a, a, a true beat writer anymore. The Tennessean right. has uh, a guy who's there uh, by and large, but like their model business model 
from Gannett is not traveling and sending people on the road. Like they're not covering it the same way. So if you want to go and, and radio has limitations, um, even if, you know, if 1025, for example, is by far the smartest conversation about the Predators, they have ex- they have they have limitations on how they can execute that content the way you can talk about it on your Predators podcast, for example. Um, right. And so I think it's like in, in this type of market, it was critically important that we had those entities back in 2005 and 7 and 10. But I think it's almost just as important today that we have it. And I think by and large, everyone is smarter for it. Like the audience is smarter. The fans are smarter. The writers are smarter. The conversations are smarter. I think everybody's smarter for it. But with that comes the watered down factor, right? So it's, and forgive me, I'm about to jump to dog breeding here for a second, but go. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, yellow labs. Okay. Are one of the most popular breeds in the world for for a house pet. Okay. So what you have is instead of going to the dog shows and paying, you know, thousands of dollars for a well-bred golden lab, people go on Craigslist and pay one for $200 and they get some, some backyard breeder or whatever, because they, those breeders know that they can make money off of these puppies. They don't, there's no vetting process involved. So this is a great example of that, right? Now that there's more opportunity, now, now that they're needed just as much, although I would argue for different reasons, the bloggers are needed for different, uh, the online media is needed for different reasons. And there's just as a need now as there was when I was coming up. Now there's more opportunity to do so. So now you have anybody who thinks they can, they have a, something to say about the predators. Now they'll create their own blog or whatever, right? And then they'll try to push it like it's part of the real mainstream media when it really isn't. So whereas before you had that, but for the most part, and I would say about 90%, like an overwhelming percentage, those people with online presences like Amanda DePaulo, Patton Fuquay, myself, uh, Robbie Stanley, for you know, for a couple of years before he became what he is, right? These people, Brandon Felder, Buddy Oaks, all these original people, they would they had a goal in mind. And that goal was either to become full-time, like my goal was, <clears throat> excuse me, or it was to, you know, uh impact the game somehow and be the best that they can be, and then up their professionalism. So Either way, there was a goal. Whereas now, I think that it's just like, oh, I can, so I do. So it's the the TikTokification of our online media presence is what I'm hearing. I from you. I would I would be willing to go there. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, differences in covering uh, Barry Trotz as a coach, Peter Laviolette as a coach, John Hines as a coach, Andrew Burnett as a coach. Go. Uh, Trotz and Burnett will give you more of an answer. They'll 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 give you a, an answer uh, that that means something. They may be talking in circles, but they'll still give you an answer. <laughs> uh, Laviolette will give you an answer when he's had a good day, and will not when he hasn't. No, nothing quotable. And Hines will give you a bunch of nothing. He's a very Jeff Fisher type answer, very much like a I'm going to talk about nothing. We see Vrabel do this all the time, you know, where he'll be asked about the offensive line, and he'll be like, "Well, you know, we all need to be better." And uh, also, I thought the receivers did a really good job. He'll just completely derail into whatever he wants to talk about. And I thought, you know, Laviolette and Hines especially had a lot to do with that. So I I love Brunette's tact right now. I don't know what he's going to be like in two years, right? But right now, he's like a child of Trotz in that regard. And by the way, Trotz is still my, my, my favorite because I asked the most ridiculous, stupid question. Talking about coming up in this show. Uh, probably two or three years in, whatever it was, it was so embarrassing. Pro, uh, post-game press conference, we're all there. He's giving great answers, whatever it is. I don't know if they won or lost. It doesn't even matter. Alice Cooper, 
played the band stage. So I thought it would be a great idea to ask him what the players thought about Alice Cooper playing (laughs) on the band stage, completely not realizing they're not aware of it. They have, they're not, they don't have time to sit around and see it. There's like, you know, there's games to be. So it was colossally stupid. One of my worst moments in my top three worst moments of being a journalist for sure. And he gave me the best answer he possibly could about how <laughs> well nashville's special that way you know we bring out the stuff i mean just and it was probably a minute and a half long answer for something that the second it came out of my mouth i just melted into my seat it was it was what it, are the uh what are great. the what are the other two worst moments uh i only remember one actually and that was calling uh anthony potato his uh nick i called him nick oh because yeah, nick potato I had just been made aware of this. A guy named Nick Potato was playing AAH or UAH, excuse me. He was playing hockey in Huntsville. And I just read that the day before. So here I am interviewing for the pregame right in front of Preds PR, by the way, which doesn't make oh, it any better. Oh, and oh. I and I go, we're here with Nick Potato. And, and he let it go. He let it go the first time. And then when I, I'm, my brain thought, I'm going to get fancy here. I'm going to get real radio. I'm going to reset in the middle. And so I did a reset oh, and I called God. him Nick again. And then he goes, it's Anthony. Oh, and I was like, and I just, I mean, it was just horrible. He, he laughed it off. We slapped hands. It was fine, but it was just like, oh my God, it was so bad. So that was, that's my number one, by the way. That's still my most embarrassing All right. moment. All right. Good. That's fantastic. Uh, let's, let's end on a low note. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, you do belong. All right. Just, just thank you. please, please don't ever think otherwise. Uh, we, we appreciate you coming on and keep up the good work, man. Thanks. I love you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I don't get to talk about this very often, and uh, I, it, it does bring memories back. And I do really, true, truly believe like it, my life was orchestrated to be here, and I can't be, could not be more thankful because again, I, you know, I, I didn't do the traditional route. I went my own route, but on talent and hard work, I got here, and now I've covered a Super Bowl and all the things we talked about. And so I feel like you know I could die tomorrow. And I could die fulfilled, even though I well, want don't to have do that. 40, yeah, no, don't no, do that. Even though I want to have forty more years, I just uh, that's Steve. It, it, does, it, it does feel like I could I could pass tomorrow and be very very happy. Steve, we've never had anyone say I love you on the show. Are we at the point where we say I love you back to somebody? No, no. Are we there yet in this no, relationship? No. No? no. Okay. All right. Well, we really really like you. So thanks for coming on the show. You, you only mean that you only mean like things like I love you and like uh, and I'm sorry. Right. When you're not expecting a response. And I love you guys. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. That was Jeremy K. Gover of AP Radio. He's also been a postgame reporter for the Preds Radio Network. And as he said, he's written a bunch. And he sort of had just like this very interesting, Steve, uh, like it's never been his full time job, but it's always been a job for him. And he's always been credentialed for almost 15 years now. And I think I think he's a great story on showing people why non-traditional media and a non-traditional approach to the business is still completely valid, completely appropriate. And if you do it as with with he like he said, with effort, hard work, some talent uh, and some respect. Uh, for the entire process, I think you can carve out an incredibly uh, uh, successful and respectable spot in a media market. Absolutely. Uh, one of the, and I think that one of the things that, it, I mean, this discussion shows you is that you know persistence is persistence is not unimportant here, um, and and 
the way he kind of like came in kind of like through the side door, but then just kind of kept showing quality. Uh, you know, people notice that stuff. Uh, and, and it, and it, and it, pop, it, it, it especially pops out, which is why, you know, when, uh, when the hall of famer, Teresa Walker, you know, taps you on the shoulder and says, Hey, you can, you can come do this. You've been, uh, or, it's not you've, a, been or, you've been ordained. You've been ordained. It's not, it's not a surprise. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not. Uh, and the other good thing, the other, I think important note is go where people are not. That's, that's another big one. Um, and I think right now there's probably not enough people down in the bowels of Bridgestone arena covering the natural predators, but if they keep winning six, if they keep going on six game winning streaks, then there'll be more people there. I was going to uh, say that's the, for sure. People are going to start showing up. Yep. Uh, but he, he's like, he said, he's willing to talk to the person like Matt Irwin, by the way, Matt Irwin, I did a couple of radio shows with him. A fantastic interview, like wonderful, oh, yeah. wonderful talker. Just, you know, not necessarily a great hockey player. <laughs> so it's okay. But, um, but, but may, but may have, may, may have a career talking about hockey. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay. So a couple of questions here about some coaches, Georgia, Bama, the meta lawsuit taking place and a curse, uh, or excuse me, and a recommendation. Oh, I just gave it away. Uh, and a recommendation coming up. But of course, where should the good fine folks go if they want to watch? Or how about if they want to cater their SEC championship game watch party over the weekend? Where who who can handle that for them? Perhaps Jaspers. Always Jaspers. Always, always, always Jaspers for all your catering needs. Here's my problem with Jaspers catering. Uh, I've only I've used them twice for an event. They were both spectacular events. They took care of the kids. Uh, We had like 20 people over about 10 adults, about 10 kids. And it was a perfect meal for like under 200 bucks. We got everybody fed. Everybody was happy. We had appetizers. We had shareables. We had sandwiches. The kids were happy. So like, again, perfect execution by Jaspers. Every time we have had them cater an event, my team has lost. And I blame Jaspers exclusively for Tennessee's inability to beat Georgia. It's wow. Jasper's fault. Deb Paquette and J- the dog. It's your fault that we could not beat Georgia. I think, I think you may be putting Jasper's in a bad spot there. If you're expecting them to pull Tennessee <laughs> over the line against Georgia. I mean, that's a, that may be a you problem. They're just a couple of pork rinds short of Georgia. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're just, we're just not quite there yet. Uh, no, it was it, fantastic. Like the, it is a wonderful way to cater. You got playoff games coming up for the NFL. Uh, if you want to go watch Preds games, they got the game room. Like you guys know the drill. Go over to Jasper's. It's a great place to go hang out. And again, truly a great place to cater your your watch party. So Jasper's, who has the Bally's feed when you, when your provider doesn't, <laughs> or when Bally's just can't provide, or when Bally's you know goes belly up. Uh, okay, uh, sp- go to Jasper's, everybody. Special thanks to uh, Jeremy K. Gover. Speaking of Georgia, Alabama, I got a question for you here because they're going to play in the SEC championship game. They played in. I want to say 2012, 2018, 2021, and now this year, that's four SEC championship games. They've also played in the national championship game against each other, Saban and Kirby Smart, uh, once, or I should say twice. They've split those games one-to-one. I, I, I don't know what exactly their record is against each other right now. I, I think they've played like seven or eight times. I'm curious, though, because Georgia's the two-time defending champ, and Alabama is sort of the evil empire of the last 20 years. I, I am actually curious who like the Tennessee fan who hates both teams equally or the Florida fan who hates probably both teams equally LSU, Ohio state, whoever you are, if you don't have any rooting interest, I, I'm curious what the, who the impartials are rooting for. I, I all season thought Alabama was a more likable team. Saban's been more likable this year than ever before. Jalen Milrow is a great story and a very likable character in this college football journey. 
Georgia is the one that had all the off the field stuff over the last couple of years. And Kirby's, you know, kind of turned into the new dynasty. Are we to the point where people are now going to root for Alabama or do we still need like one more championship from Georgia before they become the death star? So I think there's, I think there's sort of two questions here. One is like, who are neutrals going to go for? And I think overwhelmingly they're going to go for somebody like Washington, uh, you know, who's, who's like an interesting, whatever they, they may only be playing one game in the playoff, but um, you know, if Washington, I'm, I'm talking Oregon, about the SEC championship game, just the SEC championship but, game. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, you mentioned the playoffs. So, so I, I, I think that the neutrals are going to, are, are going to, Neutrals are going to get in, uh, get in behind somebody like that because they're sick of, you know, these two guys dominating the SEC, and 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 they hate they hate whatever comes out of of the SEC, whether it's Georgia, whether it's Alabama. Uh, well, for the record, for, I, in the playoff, for, for the in the playoff, for, for the it SEC, will be Oregon or Washington. It will be the people that will be the teams that people root right. for. Texas is not a team yeah. people like. Jim Harbaugh is not very likable. Michigan is not America's team. Sorry, Jimbo. Texas might uh, not get in. Texas might not get in. I, they Ohio State's been there, done that. I'm, in the playoff, I completely agree. It is going to be, and Florida State's kind of got some, it is what it is. Uh, but I, I think you're absolutely right. The, the 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 neutral impartial observer during the playoff will root for either Oregon or Washington. I'm speaking specifically of like, remember 2008 and nine when Tebow played against Alabama twice and like everyone around the SEC was just rooting for like, the building to collapse. <laughs> right. You know, that's kind of where we are. And so I'm just curious if people are now like, Oh, I'd rather see Bama win. I Georgia. think, you, I, I think I it's think still Georgia. Have, I still think it's Georgia. I, I think you have to root against Georgia. Really? You have okay. to root. You, I think, I, I, I think you do. If the, they are, they are the death star. It's, it may not be, you know, this is like the return of the Jedi death star. It is, it is, uh, it is mostly built. Uh, but you know, if if you let them win a third championship in a row, it, it's 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 fully formed. You know, strike a strike a blow for humanity, blow up the Death Star, uh, make make them make them go away. I I I I can't. But, but if but then it's Rise of Skywalker if if Saban wins. <laughs> I mean, the in metaphor bad, falls apart way. because Lucasfilm did such a shitty job with every subsequent movie. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but. I, you know, I I could put up with Alabama because Alabama is a very mortal team. I mean, they they damn near lost to Auburn last weekend. This is this is not this is not a killing machine. And so my 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 thought is that if Alabama wins and Alabama somehow, you know, well, it also Alabama creates gets, chaos in the playoff as well. So it, it absolutely does. Alabama is not going to win a national championship. Well, there. see, I I don't I don't I wouldn't say that out loud. Uh, it's like saying Rumpelstiltskin's name. <laughs> I wouldn't say that out loud. Uh, I think I think these are the best two teams maybe in all of college football playing in the SEC championship game. Um, I just think that there's a I think the impartial observer is going to tur- turn the game on on Saturday. And I'm fascinated to see what the ratings are, because I, I do think people are going to be tuned in on this hardcore. And I'm just curious because I think there's a visceral reaction to the A that you've had for 15 years. You see the logo and you have a visceral reaction. You're like, oh, God. I I'm curious. I don't think we're there yet with the G. I don't think we're there. I don't think people are there yet. With I, the G. I, I think I think we're I think we're totally there. Okay. I think, All right. And 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 there will be a fair number of people, including some people in my house, 
who are just going to be cheering for like the the earth to open up and the entire yeah. stadium to be swallowed. Uh, that is, uh, 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 lots of folks are in that camp. There's, yeah. there's no question. They want both Death Stars to just. It's like the spy. They want the Spider Man meme to be both. They Death want a high stars. speed crash. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, speaking of a high speed crash, uh, U.S. Attorneys General and Meta. There we go. How about that for a segue? Uh, nice, tr- nice transition. Thir- Thirty nine states have filed a massive lawsuit against Facebook and Instagram. WhatsApp is also in there, but basically against Mark Zuckerberg and Meta. And I'm curious where you think this is all going to go because there's all kinds of really... You guys can go read about it. I'm not going to give you all the details, but essentially this is following the exact same path as Big Tobacco. There is lots of evidence that that Facebook knows exactly how harmful uh, all of their information technology and their algorithms and their data tracking have been for children in particular, there's multiple studies by the Wall Street Journal as well as the Canadian Center for Child Protection, I believe, that actually like set up accounts to to look at children on Instagram and these and the algorithm began feeding them sexually explicit content about children, which is incredibly disgusting. Um, I, I don't I want to hear where you think this is all going. My personal opinion is that I think there's a chance that we could actually deal a blow to to big tech um, in this conversation. We are not ever going to get rid of this stuff. Like, like phones are never going. Like, we're going to have smartphones for the rest of our lives. We're going to have iPads and smart TVs, and you know, it's going to evolve. I think we're going to have our own personal AI assistants. Um, you know, I've, I've talked about that on the show. It's all about getting to ethical tech. I don't know what that exactly means, but this feels this feels like seatbelts and cars, and it feels like big tobacco. It feels like we could be at a pretty critical juncture of the government and people's. Uh, well-being and social media i I, there is there's an interesting political moment here which is various groups have have tried to weaponize a war against tech for ideological purposes you know the the whole shadow banning bullshit or the the whole you know suppression of voices or whatever else that was just not true the twitter files Uh, yeah the twitter files or whatever the smoking Um, gun that wasn't when when both sides line have lined up and said hey we we would uh uh we would both like to think about regulating this and and stopping this that's when you know you've reached kind of a you've reached kind of a consensus moment i i I would recommend to anybody who's who's interested in this um go Go uh, pay for uh, Casey Newton's um, uh, Substack. It's called Platformer. Uh, he has some. He has some of the best kind of perspective on on all this, uh, and he has some of the some of the best reporting. He had a, he had a great piece out this week just about sort of like what was in the unredacted uh, complaint and kind of what it shows that that the the government has against uh against meta and and how serious the how serious the case is you know it's one thing to kind of bring uh bring a case that is of that you know we've been we've been talking about i i think i know i i think i feel i know uh and that you maybe like you feel uh that they have a strong case this is I know they have a strong yep. case. Yeah. <laughs> this is this, 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 this is, is very the... this is very much this is very much uh not if they will be uh shown to be a bad actor, 
but how bad of an actor are they? Again, this is tobacco paying for a study that clearly indicates to the executives of the tobacco companies that smoking is harmful to children and that they have the evidence and sat on it for years. Like that's yeah. what they have. That's what they have. They have that <laughs> from, from Facebook, knowing that they were targeting children and knowing the so called the psychological uh, impacts on children. Again, I, we are all like China's bans. Uh, the way they moderate content on TikTok is not for the right reasons uh, in China. It's not for the right reasons. It's to, to whitewash their own history. But but they but they do it better than us. They they have a limited amount of time that they allow children. They have a limited type of content that children can consume on TikTok because they know TikTok melts the bottom of your brain stem. They know it. And so they don't let their kids on it again for the wrong reasons, <laughs> because they don't want people to see that Tiananmen Square was like a thing that happened. But it is still it's ethical. It's more ethical than the way we treat our kids with these with these devices and with these media contests. And look, you're absolutely right, Steve. What would get what would get a, a group of bipartisan 70 year old white men together faster than, <laughs> <laughs> than yelling about the Internet? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 your devices so they will align fast uh and quickly uh but i think we've reached a this this web this lawsuit is is critical mass here i think there's a i think it's a really important thing to track in the we, media we, space we knew it was we knew it was there from from the the stuff which leaked from a a researcher here a couple of years ago about uh, about the intensity of the algorithm i, I Go spend some time. Go go click on the reels button on on your on Instagram. Don't do that. And and <laughs> and just flip through it, and and you'll see exactly. You know, spend some time kind of liking stuff and 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 searching for stuff, and see how quickly it learns. It learns it's, very. It's quickly. it's it's scary. Uh, they also know how to throttle back the algorithm. We've seen them do it. They know how to manage it. They know how to moderate it. They know how to throttle it back where they want to, when they want to, about what content they want to. They have complete control over it. Uh, if you do go play around on the Instagram Reels algorithm just to mess with it, don't tweet about and ask everybody why you have a bunch of pictures of hot women in your feed. Don't tweet about that. <laughs> just don't. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna Thanks say so. about. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Uh, okay, my recommendation. Uh, I need your help with this, Steve. Uh, go to Jasper's, by the way. Thanks to Jeremy K. Gover for hanging out. Uh, so there's this show with Emma Stone on Showtime called The Curse. I I I, I can't decide if I want to watch this or not. Okay, so we watched the first episode. Uh, okay. My wife, my wife, and I, and I, I, I truly need you all to come along with me on this journey. I cannot look away. I want to watch more. Uh, it is, and they they tout. It. I mean, like ninety six percent Rotten Tomatoes. Like one of the, it's dazzling. Like you see all the reviews, like from all the great critics saying it is spectacular. It's like sort of a a dark comedy, but like a little. It's got some Coen Brothers vibes to it. It's also, um, you know, very deadpan. Emma Stone is fantastic. It is, but it is out there, dude. It, I have never seen a television show ever like this at all. And so I, I can't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I need, I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I want to watch more, but I don't know if I liked it. Like, does that make sense? Like it's, I've, it's so, no, it, it, it does. Um, 
It's just, I need, I need, it's, it's so cringe. It's, it's the most well, cringe thing I've ever seen. That, and that's, and that's the thing that will ultimately, uh, that will ultimately probably keep me from watching this for like six months or whatever else. It's like, <laughs> I, like, I don't need more cringe in my life right now. Like, like, but I don't, fu- I, but funny cringe. No, but I mean, I, I like, I, I don't, I don't find it, inter- I don't find it pleasurable to watch something that makes me cringe. Okay. Like I, right. I, 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 like I don't get enjoyment out of that. Like I can, I recognize that that the writing may be great and the, and the the performances may be sure fantastic. Um, but like I I don't want to, I don't want to spend time cringing, uh, my way through like an hour of entertainment you, when you, when I've got like when I've got like I've got like enough other stress in my life like that. <laughs> I don't like I don't find that I, I laugh enjoyable. I laughed a lot, but you also like your shoulders are tense at the end of the episode. Yeah, like, see, I, I, but, but I laughed a lot. It's going to so, be a while before I have, to, okay, before okay. I have like he, kind of like the, the, the capacity to come to drop in and watch that ever. So in one episode, I've only seen one up in, in one episode, every scene you think that it cannot get in more insane. And then the next scene is more insane. And so it is just like I, for, for that I mean, alone, I recognize that, that that is, that, that there's, there's value in that and, and it can be really well done and whatever else. I mean, like, I mean, I like I watched two seasons of White Lotus. I mean, like I like I know oh, White Lotus is spectacular. White Lotus is spectacular, but White Lotus White, is better. White Lotus White, is better. White Lotus will, I mean, White Lotus will just kind of like turn you inside out with kind of like this is the the darkness it, and the yeah. Oh, this is White Lotus on steroids. Like this is I've never seen anything like this. Um, uh, but let me real fast though, real quick, I want to point out. I I cringe to me is also watching Detective Bosch walk on screen. I can't watch him walk. So I I cringe when I watch Detective Bosch walk, and so I can't. That's you know that's hard for me to do. Right, this is different. This is funny you're cringe. Just, you're you know? just wrong about that. That is just well, that is like one of your worst shaped, takes. He's shaped like a pear, and he so, dri- I mean, and he walk and he bo- walks. Don't, don't body shame. <laughs> fair enough. Titus Wellover. He fair can't, He can't help the fact that he's a little pear shaped. I, I don't. I don't like the way he walks. <laughs> um. Yeah, but you, but you can watch that show just to watch like Lance Riddick walk. Because uh, one of the because well, Lance, yeah, 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 yeah. Lance, his Lance arms, Riddick is his arms wide out. Uh, I will say this my wife, nothing will ruin my wife's opinion of an actor faster than watching them try to run on screen. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. like she will love an actor, and then that person will be asked to run in a scene, and she's like, Oh, that that person's so unathletic, I don't like them anymore. It's it's pretty funny. I, there, uh, let me throw one other kind yep. of recommendation here. Got? Like one of my favorite, one of my favorite shows is back. Um, there's a there's a show that you can get it on Brettbox called Shetland. That is, uh, it's a detective procedural uh, that's shot on the Shetland Islands up in the Shetland Islands. If you don't know, and, and if you don't remember, because I've mentioned this before, you sit between like the north the northeast coast of Scotland and Norway, like out in the middle of the North Sea, and so. One of the characters said something. It, it, it just um, the new season just dropped. There's some, there's some changes to it. It's but it you watch this thing for the cinematography and like, like how beautiful this place is. And one of the I, I haven't kind of thought about this for I guess this is its eighth season, but like the first seven seasons, it just never occurred to me. You're just like so stunned by how beautiful the vistas are and how well they shoot it. And uh, one of the characters says. You're wondering why there aren't any trees, aren't you? And it suddenly, you suddenly realize, holy shit, I haven't yeah. seen any trees for like yeah. seven seasons. And it's because like the, the like the winds on yep. these islands, yep. like kind of keep them from growing. 
is it it's it's a it's a fantastic kind of like British cop procedural. Uh, it's on BritBox. Um, you know, if you want to, it, it just it just dropped. There are only six. Uh, there's only six episodes. Um, and so like if you want to like watch them all at one time, like you know, just get BritBox for a month. Yeah. Uh, wait wait a few weeks before before all of them are kind of up on the up on the uh, the service. But man, it is such a good show, and you will not find a more beautiful show on television. Okay. All right. There you it's go. It's amazing. Uh, go check that out. Of course, uh, go sign up at the Nashville banner uh, for good local journalism. Uh, also for those of you who are news and politically inclined in this market, pod bless Nashville as well for all your news. So go check out the banner uh, and PBN as well. Special thanks to Jeremy K. Gover for hanging out. Uh, please tell me if you are going to watch the curse with me at Braden gall and blue sky at Braden gall on twitter.com. Uh, please let me know if you're going to come along with me on this journey because I'm not sure I can do it alone and I'm not sure my wife is going to come with me either. So there you go. Um, All right. Uh, For Steve Cavendish, I am Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. This has been Lamestream Sports.